Psalm 35 is where we'll get started this morning. Invite you to make your way over to the 35th Psalm. And once you find that, turn a couple of books over to the left to Judges chapter 4. Please place a marker in Judges chapter 4. That's where we'll spend most of our time this morning. But we'll get started in the 35th Psalm. In Psalm 35, the psalmist is hated. Men have devised evil plans against him. He has been attacked. He's been abused. He's been thrown into a pit and left to die. But despite all of the abuse, despite all of the persecution, despite all of the evil that his enemy has placed upon his shoulders, the psalmist returned his enemy's evil with good. When his enemy was sick, the psalmist wore sackcloth. When his enemy was hurting, the psalmist afflicted himself. When his enemy was ill, the psalmist fasted. When his enemy was down and out, the psalmist bowed his head to his chest. In verse 14, the text says, As though grieving for his friend or his brother, he bowed his head in grief as though weeping for his mother. Let that sit. I'm using this passage as a springboard to our lesson. This lesson is not about how we should repay evil for good, though we should, but this lesson is all about mothers. Here in this passage, the psalmist describes the extent of the grief he had for his enemy as one who grieves, mourns, laments, and weeps for his mother. Here in this passage, it is very clear that the psalmist understood, and he expected his reader to understand that the loss of a mother is a big deal. Why? Because mothers are a big deal. There's something special about a mother. A mother has a special love, a special care, and a special concern that cannot be replaced. And when that love, care, and concern is stripped away from you, that's something to cry about. That's a big deal. Two and a half years ago, that love, care, and concern was stripped away from me, and my life hasn't been the same since. There are many of you here this morning who have had that love, care, and concern stripped away from you. And you would agree with me that your life has never been the same since. Thankfully, thankfully, I and so many of you have had mothers, have had mothers who have loved you, who have cared for you, and who have given you that concern. I cannot imagine how my life would be had I never had a mother. Had I never had a mother, my life would have been a disaster. During the days of the judges, the children of Israel's lives were a disaster. They lived as though they had no mother. After Moses' successor, Joshua, dies and all of Joshua's generation passes away, the Bible says in Judges chapter 2 and verse 10, there arose a nation that did not know the Lord. Later in Judges, it would say in Judges chapter 17 and verse 6, that everyone did what was right in his own eyes. The people did not fear God. They did not respect God. They didn't appreciate God. They didn't revere God. They didn't know God. And because of this, God punishes them. He sends foreign nations upon them to oppress them. The people cry out to God for help. Lord, please deliver us. God would send them a judge. The people would repent. They would do well for some time, but sadly, in time, 
They would fall away from the Lord, back to their old sinful lifestyles. God would send foreign nations to oppress them. They would cry out to God for help. Lord, please deliver us. Please save us. God would send them a judge. The judge would deliver them. They would repent, do well for some time, and go back to their old manner of life. Sin, oppression, judge, repent. Sin, oppression, judge, repent. The pattern continued again and again and again and again all the way up until Judges chapter 4 and verse 1. Judges chapter 4 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harasheth Haggiim. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. For he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. The children of Israel were oppressed cruelly for 20 years by Jabin and Sisera because they did not know the Lord. The children of Israel were oppressed cruelly for 20 years because they did what was right in their own eyes. The children of Israel were oppressed cruelly for 20 years because they lived as though they had no mother. The nation was a disaster. And so God, in his infinite wisdom, pitifully looking down upon his sin-sick people, graciously sends them a mother. Judges chapter 4 and verse 4. The Bible says, Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapideth, was judging Israel at that time. When Israel was down and out, when the nation was a disaster, when the people were living as though they had no mother, God looked down from heaven and he sent them a motherly figure. Tim, why do you keep saying Deborah was a motherly figure? She was a motherly figure because, point number one, she was a voice of wisdom. Judges chapter 4 and verse number 5 the text says, she used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. The New International Version says people came up to her to have their disputes decided. Yes, Deborah was a judge in the sense that we would understand a biblical judge to be. Yes, she was a judge like Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, Tola, Jer, and all of the judges that have come before and after her. Yes, she was a judge in that sense. But Deborah's responsibilities went beyond simply delivering her people from oppression and turning them back to God. Here in Judges chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, it seems as if Deborah gave wisdom counsel and advice on all matters of life. And she was the single, sole, only judge in the entire nation of Israel. That's a whole lot of responsibility. The people trusted her. The people respected her. People from all over the nation came to her to hear what she had to say. Deborah was a motherly figure because she was a voice of wisdom. But not only that, Deborah was a, a motherly figure because she was a beacon of support. She was a beacon of support. As the story continues, Deborah begins to have this conversation with her lead commander, Barak. She's telling Barak, hey, you need to go and fight. You need to gather together the Israelites to fight against Sisera and Jabin. The text says in Judges chapter 4 and verse 6, that she sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinon from Kadesh, Naphtali, and said to him, has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, 
Go, gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun, and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots, his troops, and I will give him into your hand. What Deborah is saying is, hasn't the Lord told you to go? Hasn't the Lord told you to arise? Hasn't God told you to get up, arise, and get these 10,000 troops together and go and defend yourself? Hasn't God told you that if you fight, he will deliver you? Hasn't God said that, Barak? If he said it, why haven't you done it? And he replies in Judges chapter 4, in verse 8, Deborah, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. Barak's asking Deborah, this woman, to go to battle with him. But what does she do? Verse 9, and she said, I will surely go with you. Deborah was a beacon of support. She continued to say, Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called out Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh, and 10,000 men went up at his hills, and Deborah went up with him. Deborah was a motherly figure because she was a beacon of support. She was a woman. This was a very strange and unusual, it was a very peculiar thing to do. Women did not go on the front lines of battle and fight. But Deborah wasn't like most women. She wasn't like the typical commander-in-chief who makes military and, and executive decisions from the comfort and security of the situation room. No, she was out there on the front lines of battle, fearlessly supporting her lead commander, fearlessly supporting the kingdom of Israel, and fearlessly supporting her God. Deborah was a motherly figure because she was a voice of wisdom. She was a beacon of support. And third and finally, she was an encouragement. She was an encouragement. As the story continues, the opposing army, the leader of the opposing army, Sisera, learns that Deborah, Barak, and the children of Israel have gathered themselves together, and they are prepared, they are ready to fight. And so Sisera gets himself ready. He gets the Canaanites ready. He gets his 900 chariots ready, and he's ready to fight. The text says in Judges chapter 4 and verse 12, when Sisera was told that Barak, the son of Abinon, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera called out all of his chariots. 900 chariots of iron and all the men who are with him from Harasheth Haggim to the river Kishon. So it's a face-off. Sisera, the Canaanites, and the 900 chariots of iron are standing on one side. Deborah, Barak, and the children of Israel are standing on the other side. Tensions are high. Everything is on the line. The thought of death is probably looming through the air. And what does the mother of Israel do in such a situation? What does the mother of Israel do when she and her people are standing face to face with their enemy? She encourages them. Judges chapter 4 and verse 14, when they're standing face to face with their enemy, the text says, And Deborah said to Barak, Up! Some translations say, Arise or Go! For this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Does not the Lord go out before you? Up, go, arise. This is the day. You can do it. 
fight. The battle is yours. She was an encouragement. And the text continues to say in the latter half of verse 14, So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. Because of Deborah's encouragement, Barak and the 10,000 people went, but not only did they go and fight, they won the battle. The text says in verse 15, And the Lord routed Sisera and all of his chariots and all of his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. And Barak pursued the chariots and the army to Harasheth Haggim, and all of the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. They defeated this army because of Deborah's encouragement. Sisera flees, but later in the story we learn that Sisera is eventually killed, stabbed in the temple with a tent peg. Jabin, the king of Canaan, is eventually killed. Judges chapter 4 and verse 23. Chapter 4 and verse 23, Jabin is killed. The text says, so on that day God subdued Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the people of Israel, and the hand of the people of Israel pressed harder and harder against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. Such a successful story. All because of Deborah's voice of wisdom, her support, and her encouragement. And so as the story concludes in Judges chapter 5, Deborah and Barak sing this celebratory song to God, praising him and thanking him for his great deliverance. Judges chapter 4, excuse me, chapter 5 and verse 1 the text says, Then sang Deborah and Barak the son of Abinon on that day, that the leaders took the lead in Israel, that the people offered themselves willingly. Bless the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes, to the Lord. I will sing. I will make melody to the Lord, the God of Israel. Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the region of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped. Yes, the clouds dropped water. The mountains quaked before the Lord. Even Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, son of the highways were abandoned and travelers kept by the byways. Verse 7, the villagers ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose. I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. Deborah was a mother to Israel during a very, very difficult time. Deborah was a mother to Israel when the nation's spiritual lives were a disaster. Deborah was a motherly figure because she was a voice of wisdom, she was a beacon of support, and she was an encouragement. And because of all of this, the battle was won. Ladies and gentlemen, today is May the 13th, 2018. And we are living in a very, very similar world to the world that Deborah was living in. We're living in a world full of people who do not know God. We're living in a world full of people who do what is right in their own eyes. We're living in a world full of people who call good evil and evil good. We're living in a world that has polluted and corrupted God's standards of morality, and they follow after their own wishes, their own desires, and their own wants. We are living in a very spiritually liberal, a very spiritually careless, and a very spiritually arrogant culture. And this spiritual liberality carelessness and arrogance has made its way into the Lord's church and there are so many people men women children young and old 
whose lives are a disaster. So many people, men, women, children, young and old, who are walking around living their lives as though they have no mother. And so we need women today to step up to the plate like Deborah. We need women today to step up to the plate and be mothers in faith. Mothers in faith is something that the Bible speaks a whole lot about. There were several women in Scripture who stepped up to this role. Mary, the mother of Jesus, in John chapter 19, as Jesus is hanging on the cross, bloody, beaten, and bare in front of his own mother, he cries out to her, Woman, behold your son. And he turns to the disciple whom he loved, John, and said, Behold your mother. Though John was not Mary's biological son, though Mary was not John's biological mother, Mary was John's mother in the faith. The text continues to say that John took her into his own home as his own. Mothers in the faith. We need mothers in the faith. In Paul's salutations in Romans chapter 16 and verse 13, he greets Rufus. He says, greet Rufus who is chosen in the Lord and his mother. Why? Because she has been a mother to me. Mothers in the faith. In this messed up world where people are walking around with, like they have no sense, in this messed up world where people do not know God, they do not respect God, they do not revere God, we need women like Deborah to step up to the plate and be mothers in the faith. How can I be a mother in the faith? Deborah gives us a perfect example. We need women to be voices of wisdom. Deborah was a voice of wisdom to the nation of Israel during very dark and difficult spiritual times. We need women to be voices of wisdom today during these very dark and difficult spiritual times. In Proverbs chapter 31, King Lemuel's mother describes the virtuous woman, and she says in verse 26 that the virtuous woman, the spiritually minded woman, opens her mouth with wisdom. The teaching of kindness is on her tongue. We need women to open up their mouths and speak wisdom and kindness to this younger generation of people who, who seem to have lost their minds, who seem to live as though they have no mother. We need women to step up to the plate just like King Lemuel's mother and tell this younger generation that charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord should be praised. We need that. I need you to tell me that. We need mothers in the faith to remind us of these facts. We need mothers in the faith to be voices of wisdom. We need mothers in the faith to do as Paul would tell Titus to tell older women to do in Titus chapter 2, verses 3 and 5. He says older women are to be reverent in behavior. They are to be sober-minded and they are to teach what is good. Teach what is good and so train. Train who? The younger women to be self-controlled to love their husbands, to love their children, to be kind and to be submissive. Older women, you have a responsibility to teach and to train the younger generation. Be a voice of wisdom. Be a mother in the faith. I love the way the apostle, excuse me, I love the way the wise preacher Solomon describes wisdom in Proverbs chapter 4. In Proverbs chapter 4, Solomon is speaking about wisdom, and he describes wisdom in the feminine sense. Proverbs chapter 4 
in verse number 5. The Bible says, Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Verse 6, Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, O my son, and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let it go. Guard her, for she is your life. Women, if you want to know how to give life, if you want to know how to give meaning, if you want to know how to give sustenance to a spiritually dying culture, you're going to be a voice of wisdom, just like Deborah. But not only that, not only that, you're going to be a beacon of support. Deborah was a beacon of support to the nation of Israel when they were struggling. She was a beacon of support to her lead commander. She was a support to the nation, and she was a support to God. We need women today to be supportive. Women were created. They were made to support. All the way back in Genesis chapter 2, the Lord looks down at Adam, and he says, Man, it's not good that Adam is alone. I need to make him a what? Helper fit for him. God made him a helper suitable for him. He made Adam a support. Women were made to support. We need you to support. We need you to work. We need you to do something. Well, Tim, I can't do anything. I can't preach a sermon. I can't lead singing. I, I can't serve around the Lord's table. I can't lead a public prayer. I can't do... Stop thinking about what you can't do and start thinking about what you can do because you can do a lot. You can teach a ladies' Bible class. You can teach a children's Bible class. You can help with uh, developing the curriculum. You can support your elders, your deacons, and your preacher. Tim, that's not specific enough. Okay. Earlier last week, I was preparing to um, teach a women's Bible study on Thursday evening. We were going to be studying the big picture of the Bible. I had no idea of uh, how I was going to approach the topic. I had no material on the big picture of the Bible. And so what do I do? I call up Miss Cindy Tatum, and she had a whole lot of material on the big picture of the Bible. And she and I got together Monday morning, and we talked about a great approach to take. We studied together. We looked at some passages that would go well with our study. Come Thursday evening, the non-Christian who was involved in the study was there. She seemed to have learned something. It was a success because of Miss Cindy Tatum's support. She supported her preacher in his work. There's a whole lot that women can do to support. There's a whole lot that women can do to help. Get your hands dirty. Get involved. I love what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 16, describing the work and the support and the help that so many women were involved in here in the church in Rome. Romans chapter 16, verse number 1 Paul says, I commend to you our sister, Phoebe, a what? 
servants of the church of Sincreche, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron, some translations say a helper of many, but not only everyone else, she's been a helper to me too. Phoebe, a woman, was a beacon of support, but not only she, verse 3, greet who? Priscilla and Aquila, who are what? Fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Not only did Priscilla and Aquila work, they risked their lives for the work. Verse number 4, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all of the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Priscilla and Aquila, a tag team, a man and a woman working together in the work of the Lord. A man and a woman who risked their necks for Paul and they risked their necks for the sake of the church. Women, we need you to work. The text continues to say in verse 6, Romans chapter 16, verse 6, greet Mary, a woman who has done what? Worked hard for you. Look at verse 13, Romans chapter 16, verse 13. Romans chapter 16, excuse me, verse 12. Verse 12, greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphania and Tryphosa, sisters, possibly twins because their names rhyme. Greet them. Why? Because they were fellow workers in the Lord. Women, we need you to support the work that is going on here. Deborah was a beacon of support to the nation of Israel during very dark and difficult spiritual times. We need you to be a support and, and help in the work here in this world, in this culture, in this nation during very dark and difficult spiritual times. But not only that, third and finally, we need women to be encouraging. Deborah encouraged the nation of Israel. She encouraged Barak to fight when everything was on the line. When, when the nation of Israel was standing face to face with their enemy, Deborah said, go, arise, fight. This is the day that the Lord has given you into their hands. We need women today to do that because everything is on the line. The, 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 the devil, Satan, is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's trying to take people out. And we need all the encouragement that we can get. And there's something very special about a woman's presence and a woman's words of encouragement. As bad as my high school football team was, I cannot imagine playing games without having cheerleaders on the sidelines saying, go fight, win. We need women to encourage. My, my greatest cheerleader in my life was my mother. I remember when I first got started preaching, I was away at a preacher training program for a summer. And it was a very, very discouraging summer because the preacher that I was working with had a secular full-time job. So he was gone Monday through Friday from uh, 9 a.m. until 5 in the evening. I was all by myself during the day trying to work up these sermons, trying to study, and I was preaching every single Sunday. Every Sunday evening I had a sermon to preach. And I was very discouraged. I wanted to give up preaching because the sermons that I was preparing were horrible. But, but, Every week before I would preach these sermons, I would send my mother a copy of them, and she was so uplifting, so inspirational, so encouraging. I have some of her emails that she would respond to me. She says, Timothy, great sermon. I wish I could be present to see you deliver. Timothy, 
What a great lesson. Well written. He is leading you, Tim. You should email this to your daddy if you haven't already. Handsome. Great sermon. Don't think it will be 30 minutes, though. <laughs> I still don't think that I'm preaching 30 minutes. But the point that I'm trying to make is you never know, women, how far your words of encouragement will go. You never know. If it hadn't been for my mom encouraging me to continue to preach, continue to prepare these sermons, to keep on keeping on, I would have gave up preaching. There have been one less person who has devoted his life full time to preaching and teaching the gospel, and that is a bad thing. Because we need all of the preachers, we need all of the elders, we need all of the deacons, we need all of the spiritually minded men and women in the kingdom of God to stand up and fight, just like Deborah told the nation of Israel to do. And we need women to encourage us to keep on keeping on. There's so much that you can do in the kingdom of God because of Deborah's words of wisdom, because of her support, because of her encouragement. Barak will go down in the hall of fame of faith. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 32. Bible says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and Barak. You and I both know that Barak's name would not be mentioned in there had it not been for Deborah who was working behind the scenes. Barak's name would not be mentioned there had it not been for Deborah's words of wisdom during very difficult, spiritually corrupt times. Barak's name wouldn't have been there had it not been for Deborah's support when everything was on the line. Barak's name would not be mentioned in the Hall of Fame of Faith had it not been for the mother of Israel who encouraged him to keep on keeping on when they were standing face to face with the enemy. Women, you can do a lot. You are very, very important. You are very, very appreciated. You are very, very loved by so many. God has created you for a special purpose. God has created you to work. God has created you to encourage, and God has given you a mind, and he has given you intellect. Speak it. Speak it, because we need you. Deborah was the mother of Israel. We need you to be a mother to a spiritually dying culture. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God, we come to you now so touched and in awe of your majesty and all of the wonderful things that you do for us on a daily basis. We're so thankful for examples in Scripture of women of faith like Deborah. We thank you for her wisdom. We thank you for her willingness to support. And we thank you for her words of encouragement. We thank you so much for the example that she has set for women today. We pray that women today can realize that they are very valuable and realize that we need them. We pray that you can bless all of us with the courage and the confidence and the wisdom to keep on keeping on in this very dark and difficult world that we live in. We thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for his death, burial, and resurrection. We thank you for all that this means to us. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.